Hello everyone, welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and I am so excited to introduce you today to Celeste Mergens. Celeste is a dear friend who's been on the show a number of times, but we're thrilled to have her back. She is the founder of nonprofit organization Days for Girls and is now the author of an amazing new book, a wonderful new book called The Power of Days. So uh, you do not want to miss this episode. Stick around. Celeste, welcome to the show. So excited to be with you, my friend. Well, it's great to have you back, and it's excited, exciting for me to be able to share you with a growing new audience on our television distribution. So thank you very, very much for being here with me today. It's a, it's a thrill. My pleasure. Uh, so it, it, how long has it been now since you founded Days for Girls? It's It's been a minute. Yes, 15 years on November 1st. That's our birthday. Wow. Uh, you know, this is, uh, your story is amazing. And of course, as I started reading the book, I haven't finished yet, but as I started reading the book, you know, the, the story uh, that sort of launches the Days for Girls saga, the yeah. journey, uh, the amazing thing that it's become, uh, is really amazing. Why don't you tell us that story, uh, the, the story that you share in your preface that sort of frames the launch of uh, Days for Girls? You know those moments when your whole life is about to change, only you don't know it yet? <laughs> this was most definitely one of those moments. And I had been in Kenya where I was uh, learning to work with a family foundation and helping the community there in Kenya in a really remote area to have more self-sustaining uh, suitable solutions that they chose and interacting with the community for that. And we were invited to visit the slums of Kibera. Now, some people call it displaced settlements and others, but my friends refer it as to that when they're there. So I'm going with what they refer to it as. And while we were there, we were invited to see an orphanage nearby. And at first I was hesitant, but of course, believe in saying yes. And the children captured my heart. What I didn't know was that though I brought sustainable solutions there as well as part of my work after that, I didn't know that uh, post-election violence would create a, a terrible upheaval where half a million people were displaced. So this orphanage went from 420 to a reported 1,400 kids. And we were doing everything we could to assist, but it, it was not enough. And, and then I got the call that they were completely out of food and they had been for days. I happen to be someone who has experienced childhood hunger that included going without food for days. And so I knew what that felt like. I wanted to address that but we had done everything we could and we were returning in just three and a half weeks. So fast forward, waking up at 2.30 in the morning after pleading for some kind of solution to come to mind to raise the money they needed. And I woke up with it going through my mind. Have you asked what the girls are doing for feminine hygiene? I literally gasped because I hadn't thought to ask that. And I ran to the computer and got an immediate unexpected answer. They didn't have smartphones everywhere back then. And the answer was only this, nothing. They wait in their rooms. It turned out, Devin, they were sitting on pieces of cardboard for days, no access to education, no access to even taking care of themselves. And 
I wanted to change that. What I didn't know was that they were going to teach me just a few weeks later, thanks to amazing volunteers, we were able to bring washable uh, pads that we devised because I knew that if a family chooses between food and hygiene, food wins and should. So how do we give them something they could count on month after month? We brought these washable pads, which needed innovation. They weren't ideal then, and I could say that. I designed them. And when we brought the education that went with it, which was a stretch for me at the time, um, they came up afterwards and with big smiles and holding their kits said, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. I was hoping that didn't mean what I feared it meant, but it turned out they were being exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that was the moment Days for Girls was born. It's a heartbreaking story. Uh, I've heard it before and it still, still causes me pain just to hear that story. Um, What's wonderful, the good news, is thanks to people coming together all over the world, thanks to really inclusive conversations that invite instead of telling people what to do, thanks to remarkable volunteers who ironically didn't choose the sexy thing um, all the important things like well digging and health and other things, they chose a part of health that people don't want to talk about, making sure people have access to pads and education that shatters the stigma. And today, thousands of volunteers and phenomenal leaders in their local countries who have created enterprises with Days for Girls have now reached ready, brand new number, over 3 million women and girls in 145 countries. Thanks to coming together over something people didn't even want to talk about. It, it, it is amazing. It is amazing because before Days for Girls, it was rare for people to talk about this at all. And mm -hmm. you have helped create a shift in the culture globally, right? That brings this yes. conversation forward. So, uh, mm. Just a few weeks ago, I had on my show the founder of a company called Tampon Tribe, right? You you probably know these people operating here mm -hmm. in the United States, but they're they're doing things and talking about things that I think they wouldn't have talked about uh, 15 years ago, uh, right? And, and you've helped yeah. change that culture to bring this forward. So in, in the United States, we talk about, you know, gender equity and, and making mm -hmm. sure that we're not taxing right? Women on their menstrual pads and things, because that's a tax men don't pay, right? So it's, yeah, it's, we've had a whole series of conversations to say nothing of the 3 million women and girls that you've helped around the world in 140 something countries uh, because of your work directly. It, it's amazing. It is truly amazing. The global impact of your work. So congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And you know what it's evidence of? It's evidence of the power of we. It really is. It's like the New York, New York of movements. If you can do this with periods, <laughs> you can do it with anything. Yeah. And it wasn't me. It's not me. It's we. It's us. You talked about it on a show long, long ago when people weren't talking about it. And yeah. people stepping up who were like, no, I want to change that. I really feel like it's the suffragette movement equivalent of our day because there are a lot of things 
that are hard to change in this world. And this isn't one of them. This is something yeah. we can change in our lifetime. And, and you're right in that no one was talking about this. I used to get speaking engagements. Someone would say, she's a great speaker, have her come. And then they'd find out after inviting me what I was talking about and cancel. I mean, that used oh, to no. like, no, we're not talking about that. Even a women's group that chose to invest yeah. in the advancement of days for girls chose to pull out because they didn't want to be identified with periods after busting through ceilings <laughs> where they were. It was remarkable. It just seems absurd now. It seems absurd. It does. Yeah. And what's beautiful yeah. is this shift. I even wear a shift key, a typewriter shift key. Can you tell? And yeah. given to me by a volunteer long ago, like 2010. And it reminded me that really what we're doing is a shift. Anytime we choose to step up, anytime we choose to not look at the outside of it, but the impact, the effect it will have, we're creating a shift. And that shift happened because people that did the impossible, strangers talked to strangers about periods and grocery lines while they were getting a bunch of Ziplocs, which we don't use today. And and um, in fabric lines and wherever they were, they were willing to start talking about, did you know? And honestly and truly those tens of thousands and thousands of conversations did start to create more awareness and the shift that is going on today with organizations of all different kinds and governments and people all over the world. It's pretty wonderful to see. Yeah, it, it, it is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And and you've played such a pivotal role in that. As you think about the book, what is a key lesson, a key takeaway from the book? That's one of them, that when we come together, impossible things can, can be completely made possible. And also that when we go through hard things, it actually can be the catalyst for becoming stronger within that thing. We take away gifts that we didn't expect to when we survive. And so over and over again, it shows things that people went through and how they rose to the occasion to be the leaders where they were and turn the hardship into a passion to shift amazing things. So, so that's definitely a message as well as uh, listening, truly listening and development instead of telling someone what to do, if you invite understanding, if you honor the wisdom of those you serve and serve with, phenomena has happened. The, the Days for Girls pattern, 30 changes, and we all hold two patents for this genius design because of listening. Listening is a huge part of leadership. Yeah, boy, what a profound insight. What a profound reminder that... that, that uh, leaders so often times focus on becoming better speakers, on uh, being able to communicate their message to followers. And your point is leadership derives from listening. Uh, and that is a profound, profound reminder for us. So thank you very, very much. Well, listen, everybody, uh, we're going to take a quick break for a little commercial message, but we'll be right back. And we're going to talk to Celeste uh, Mergens, uh, founder of Days for Girls and author of The Power of Days uh, about her superpower. So stick around. Want to learn from the world's great change makers? Find your superpower. 
Subscribe to the Superpowers for Good newsletter at superpowersforgood.com. Make your strengths into superpowers that will change the world. Join the super crowd today. Superpowers number four, good.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Celeste Merkins, founder of Days for Girls and author of The Power of Days. Uh, Celeste, you have really, you know, we've been talking about how you've changed the world and literally perhaps more than anyone I've had on the show, you have changed the world in, at global scale. It's, it's profound. As you reflect on that experience over the last 15 years, what do you see as your superpower? That's a hard one. <laughs> I, I have to say that it's probably gratitude. And this is why I say this. When we are looking at life through a lens of what's working and can even be grateful for what doesn't work, we can fail forward. We're not so worried about us as we are seeing the good in the world, as you so beautifully do. So by having gratitude, you can overcome trauma easy, easily. You can see new viewpoints. You can. It really is a superpower and honestly derives in part from having been raised in poverty. I mean, I'm grateful for things most people wouldn't be grateful for. Because of what I went through, I walk around almost everything is a miracle and I'm so grateful for it. And choosing that instead of being victimized, choosing that instead of feeling fatalistic is, is, an, is a choice that can make life um, magnify the good, help us see the good and help us to have more energy and power to be the good. I am grateful that that is true for me, that I've seen it. It also helps teams work better. So if you are working with a type, like go achieve team members, we tend to focus on next, next, next. And when we finish something, put a beautiful check mark next. And if you stop just long enough to go, we just took that mountain. We were after it. Let's stop for a minute. We did that. That goal was accomplished. Everybody, yes, we did it. Thank you. If you do that, then you have the energy to charge over to the next mountain. And sometimes, especially people that are high achievers, that's not something that um, comes natural to them. So even in that finding the gratitude in your team in the moment and in experience for design and even failing forward is something that changes the way the rhythm of your work goes and certainly changes your life. Yeah, that, 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 that's profound. Uh, as you think about this, I, I want to dig down. You, you have um, developed your gratitude superpower in the face of not only a variety of challenges, but clearly right directly in the face of extraordinary suffering. I, uh, I think about the the story of the the launch, the girls uh, being exploited yeah. for a, a pad or a tampon, and, and and my heart just breaks. My heart just mm -hmm. breaks. And yet, as you have gone through uh, facing these challenges and difficulties, you have found gratitude. How how do you frame your life to find gratitude in those moments? This is where I say 
that the things I went through when I was young were really a blessing in disguise, as so often challenges are. Having been through not having a home at times, having been truly hungry for, on a few occasions, days, and having been through, honestly, not going with a pad, out a pad, so how did I not think to ask sooner? We just don't talk about this, and we try to push it away as a thought or a need. I... I've recognized that we are not our circumstances, not at all. We are not what we own or don't own. We are not what people label us. We are the choices we make. And even those don't define us because we can make new choices. I know that with my entire being. So when I come into a community or situation, I can feel the pain. I can feel how important and urgent it is. And I understand that it can shift. So I'm able to ask, what do you want? What would you like to see? We could do something. Should we try this? And I can make it a conversation that is inclusive of, does that work for you? What would work better? And, and that comes with the humility that I gained in recognizing that people often label themselves or others. And even right now, I think, urgently needing to be addressed, we put ourselves in silos and right now focus more on what's bad than what we would love to have happen. I think that recognizing that as we work together in our world, it shouldn't, in my opinion, be about what's different, what differences we have, or even how awful it is right now, whatever that fill in blank is, but rather what's possible what would we love and who in the world would also love that and and look for where we come together at that point not for where we are separated find the places we do connect and try and try to connect at a real level with purposefulness i'm i have seen global evidence i have three passports full of proof that what we have in common is far greater than what divides us and that is proof to me that we can do the impossible. Things that seem impossible, we only get stuck in our silos or stuck in our fear. And if we can instead shift to what would we love, if we can instead shift to together, what could we do? Then some of the things we fear very much right now, some for good reason, have potential to be shifted for good. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, your comment about, uh, you know, more in common than, than what separates us is, is such a powerful insight. Uh, I've experienced that a little bit myself, uh, but one of the powerful examples I think about is, uh, uh, Melinda Gates. Uh, she has traveled the world and, you know, you can imagine as a, as a billionaire, the the entourage that must always accompany her, the risks that are special to her. Uh, and yet she works uh, very deliberately to put herself in situations not unlike those that you've been in. Uh, mm -hmm. And so even in that extreme example, you can see someone working to close those divides. Uh, she did that without having the experience that that you've had of actually yeah. experiencing some hunger. It's It's remarkable. As you think about, as you think about your experiences, uh, can you give us an example or two of how you were able to 
see that common ground with people that seemed on the surface to be situated so different from you? Absolutely. I was once in Kesey, Kenya, invited to talk with the female genital cutters. Now, this is an issue that is really difficult. And, and at first I said, I have nothing to do with that. Why would they care what I have to say or what I think? I, that's, I, I really don't think that that's my conversation. And they encouraged me, no, we, you are known for addressing local needs and, and we think that it would be good to talk about this. They said 92% were involved in cutting. This was 2010. My friend said, no way it's against the law and there's no way it's that high, but the local individual that was talking to me assured me it was. So I was thinking about how do you have this conversation? Of course, first I researched, what can you know about this and learned that actually it's a revered position to be a cutter, it's usually women, and that they are in the community, in some of the community's mind, doing a service to help make sure that the woman is a valuable wife when she grows up, that the husband will know no child was born outside of this, um, this relationship because it's painful to have any kind of relations. And, and that there's beliefs that you're less likely to have a childbirth death. We know it's actually the other way. And that you're part of the community in a way that's important to them. So, so I learned those things. And as I came into the meeting, I thought there'd be like six, eight people and the room filled with people. There were 50 individuals, I was told later, that joined us. And we were backed all the way up to the wall. <clears throat> My friend Beth, who just passed days ago, um, was went like this signal, let's not talk about this. But my desire was to connect. I had told my friend that um, we're going to talk about, um, I know what the issue is. We need to make them right. And she said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard you say. And I said, well, there are a lot of things we do now that will change our mind about later as being right or wrong. And, and let's find the places that, that they do well, that there's something we can agree with. So in the meeting with these 50 people that were doing cutting, I asked them, tell me about, I'm abbreviating it, tell me about the rite of passage. What do you do before the rite? And notice I didn't call it cutting. I didn't call it mutilation. I just called it rite of passage, which is equally true, but doesn't divide us. So they mm -hmm. explained that they um, learn about being a wife and a mother and a member of their community there. And I say, I could say genuinely, <clears throat> I love that. And then I asked them, tell me about after. And they said, we bring gifts and we dance, we celebrate, they are a woman now. Now this is typically age seven, maybe even younger, sometimes but typically. And so then, I said, tell me about the cut. All the arms in the room went, <laughs> I said, your, the law cannot stop you. Mm. And the new constitution cannot stop you. Mm. And we are not here to stop you. Mm. We are here to acknowledge that Kenyan women are beautiful and powerful naturally. And abbreviating, I will tell you, we are here to acknowledge that Kenyan women leaders Wangari Mathai, who won the Nobel Peace Prize, Magdalene Wambua, who was the Minister of Education at the time, are powerful and beautiful Kenyan women naturally. And you, as leaders in your community, who are we to tell you what to do? What if you kept all this rich tradition and simply cut out the cut? 
they followed with, which I can do half as well as they do. And then all asked for ribbons. Several days later, just six of them gathered and asked to talk with us. And they explained through the translator that they had decided to lay down their knives, that their daughters, husbands had gone to others who could be real wives and brought AIDS back to HIV back to their daughters. And their daughters were paying the price. I didn't know that. I didn't even say that. But inviting instead of telling, honoring what we can agree about, ended up with them choosing to be advocates, talking on radios, talking to others, so that it dropped to 32% instead of 92, or excuse me, 62, a drop of 30%. That happens when we have inclusive conversations. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is so profound. Well, uh, Celeste, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I, I want to encourage people to visit daysforgirls.org to donate, to, to visit uh, your favorite bookstore to get the book, The Power of Days. These This will be available on October 3rd. Of course, uh, it's available for pre-order on Amazon and other places. So please, please, please get the book. Celeste, thank you very much for being with us. We want to wish you every success. Thank you. All righty, let's do some good.